Um, it really is my pleasure to introduce uh, Becky Nelson, uh, comes out again out of Chicago. I'm not going to talk about her ministry. That's what she's here to do for us today. So uh, why don't we uh, pray first, and Becky, you can come forward. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, once again, we thank you, Lord, just for the wonderful time of fellowship and, and gathering. I pray, Lord, that your anointed fall upon Becky as she leads us and, and shares ministry with us. And we thank you for her, and uh, we just thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. There we go. Okay. So my name is Becky Nelson, and I just met another Rebecca Nelson in the audience. We have the same spelling, same name, all the way to the middle. So that was kind of cool. <laughs> so... A little bit about, how many of you know what Chi Alpha is? Okay, some of you. So Chi Alpha is the Assemblies of God Outreach to Secular Universities and Colleges. And um, I got into this because um, I was saved in my church um, in my high school years. And uh, just, like, not, I was radically saved, but I wasn't, like, a mess by standard. I just knew I would sinned and I needed Jesus, right? <laughs> And um, so I went into Chi Alpha. I didn't know it was a campus ministry and all this. And, and uh, we had a great youth group. And so I had all my felt needs met, right? I really had no intention of going to Chi Alpha. And uh, I just knew I was called to missions. Of course, you think overseas. And so I kept talking about, yeah, I'm called. And I'm doing it. You know, I just felt it. And we had one guy in the youth group. He came after me week after week and said, you say you're called to minister, but you won't even go to Chi Alpha where people who go there don't darken the doors of a church. And he just kind of got in my face so much, I went to get him off my back. That was the plan. And, uh, and it, was, it was great, but I already had this, so I really didn't intend to go back. And, and then the next week, I loved to worship. So I thought, well, I have free time. Guess who orchestrated that one? I have free time, so I went and worshiped. And then the third week, I volunteered to pick an international student up from the airport. And 29 years later... <laughs> Here I am. <laughs> so, you know, the call is different for everybody. <laughs> but um, like I said, I've been doing this for 29 years. Uh, I'm a new plant to Chicago, even though I have the hair that reflects Chicago. <laughs> um, but I'm actually from Texas. So I've only been in Chicago for four years. And this is the most snow I've ever driven through today. And for those of you who are praying for me, thank you. I learned a lot. I was telling pastor's wife, you know, the Lord provides in so many ways, and we're to rejoice in all things, but when you put the pieces together, it's really exciting. So I had my, my Google map set to no tollway. So from Chicago, I drove all the small roads instead of the main highway, right? So guess what a person who's never driven in snow needs? A lot of stopping and starting and going slow and turning, and I learned a lot today, and I'll change the setting on the way home. <laughs> But uh, praise the Lord. Um, yeah, I've been doing Chi Alpha for a little bit. I started out, I think, did I say in Austin, and then moved to College Station, Texas for 24 years. And, um, yeah, I love college students. And when I first went, you know, you're graduating from college, and where are you going to go? Everybody's asking, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I don't know. And I go to the Lord. I say, Lord, what do you want me to do for the rest of my life? 
you know, six months out. And he's like, I love you. I know, but what do you want me to do for the rest of my life? I love you. And it would frustrate me, right? Because then you're, you're five months out and you're a month out and everybody's asking you and you just don't have an answer. And it turns out that I actually didn't know how much the Lord loved me, number one, because he's always right. <laughs> and number two, I just went, I finally had to make a decision. And I went, I thought, Lord, this is where I feel the most alive. Because, you know, you're praying through, do I not want to grow up? Do I want to face the real world? <laughs> you know, all those things. And I just took it before the Lord. And I, I gave, I signed up for two years. And uh, like I said, 29 years later, here I am. So I served in Texas most of the time. And um, then it was a, a long process, so I'll speed it up. But I moved to Illinois two weeks before I turned 50. <laughs> And uh, so the adventure continues, right? <laughs> so let me show you a real quick video. If Sorry, guys, didn't. And then I uh, will come back. Windy City, the second city, ever expanding since it arose out of the ashes of the great Chicago fire. Home to over half a million college students from around the world, this city is their campus. On the sidewalk, in a coffee shop, on the L, one in four people in Chicago is a college student. They are leaving their homes and families and coming here in the hopes that they will experience something new. What an incredible opportunity. Chicago Chi Alpha is seizing this opportunity on five of Chicago's biggest campuses. Every week on each campus, we lead small groups, prayer meetings, outreaches, and hangouts to build community and to raise the spiritual temperature of our city. One at a time, disciples are becoming disciple makers. The need may be great, but we believe our God is greater still. We want a different kind of Chicago fire, not one that destroys and kills. We want a fire descending from heaven, consuming the city with the light and love of the Father. That's an open door. That's what we are praying for on every campus, that people would know the love of God. We're on four campuses, and uh, we're at Northwestern, Loyola University, Columbia College, and UIC, University of Illinois, Chicago. And that's the one I'm at. And so we have 14 staff, and we have uh, seven children, one in utero. <laughs> and so um, it's a lot of people. I also help the director with pastoral care of the staff. And so that's kind of the, that's what we do. But we just finished our SALT conference. SALT is a, it's regional. Every Chi Alpha does it. This is my 30-something SALT. It's a conference we have every winter, and it's, like I said, by region. So we just had ours in Lombard, Texas, and uh, 1,000 students, I think 1,200 total students and staff came, and, and the title was Risk, or the theme was Risk. And um, how to take risk with Holy Spirit. How do we trust him when we don't see it, when we don't have it all planned out? Um, and it was, it was very good. It was very good to be together. 
It was really, it's the first one we've had in two years. And uh, just being together was wonderful. And uh, we had two, I know from our group, filled with the Holy Spirit. And we have one who is uh, India, from India, Hindu background. And our main speaker was a missionary to India. And uh, he's been in process, you know, for a while. And talking to him gave him the freedom to say, you know what, I think I'm going to be a follower. I don't think it actually happened there. I think it, that's when he felt the freedom to talk about it. So the Lord's doing a lot. And everybody else was stretched and, and uh, just encouraged. I know I have a student who lives with me. And um, she's actually lives in the living room on a blow-up sofa, <laughs> on a blow-up bed. But um, it's kind of an intense discipleship type situation. And just watching come back after that, you know, you talk and... We always had a joke, you say something over and over and over and over again, discipleship, and then a speaker comes, says the same thing, and they're like, oh, they're amazing. That's when you know it's true discipleship. <laughs> so, um, yeah, do you have any questions about Chi Alpha? No? I like participation. I work with college students. <laughs> so I can outweigh you. <laughs> By the way, the blue hair, just the elephant in the room here, <laughs> Um, I didn't do it for this purpose. I thought, oh, this might help. You know, I've always kind of wanted it. It's, it's really been fun. But as I get older, I said I'm 53. So, you know, our generation that's coming up mostly haven't had a whole lot of experience talking with multiple generation. They tend to stay in their own uh, age group. And uh, it goes all the way through public school and and even in church, we have age group specific things for kids to do, which is great. But they sometimes lose the skill and ability and even interest or value to talk to an old person. <laughs> and uh, so as I go on campus and we have a team, I'm the oldest of the team. And, but I still interact with students, right? And so before, I could go up to a table and say, hey, how you doing? I'd like to invite you to this and try to get a conversation started. And the whole time they'd be very nice and congenial but they're always looking like, why is this old lady talking to me? Is she a professor? And it's like you couldn't get past that because they just couldn't get past it, right? I tell you this, I can go sit down at a table and have a two-hour conversation. Who knew? And it's been so fun. I've always wanted to do something like that. I finally got bold enough in my 50s to do it. <laughs> so that's why the hair is and it's probably going to hang around for a little while. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so... Any, any questions? Your last call. I know you're just burning with questions. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, I was reading my friend who stays with me, and we've got a whole generation of people who don't know the Bible, right? And we've raised them. You know, I'm single. I never married. I don't have kids. But I'm of the age group who raises families, right? <laughs> and it's really interesting to me especially when I first started announcing in Texas that I was moving to Chicago. Wow, things came out of the woodwork, right? <laughs> and, you know, I got to really talk to a few people and say, you know, why would you want to do that? Why would you want to do that? Immediately when I said I wanted to move to Chicago, like it was lost sight of, oh, God's calling you to a sick place. Who needs more people? There's lots of good people in Chicago. Lots of good Christians doing the work. But it's a big city, <laughs> right? And for whatever reason, he moved me to Chicago. And, and the reaction was, because of all the politics and we're so politically charged right now, 
that the first thing, it, it didn't even come into question again. Why would you do that? Because God called you. Is Why would you want to do that? You're stupid. Or, you know, <laughs> why would you want to do that? This and this and this are the problems. And I got to challenge them and say, you know what? God didn't call us to be comfortable, right, in this life, this 80, 90, 120, whatever you're going for, years <laughs> on this earth. He said he'd send a comforter, but he never called us to be comfortable, Right? He never called us to that. He said, it's all about his kingdom, right? We seek first the kingdom. So it's not, oh, the missionaries are great because they go. If the Lord's called you here, he has a place for you. And, you know, the Lord knows how to take you through situations that he will cause in your life to cause you to depend on him and cry out to him. Am I right? So listen to the Lord's call and don't be afraid just because it's unpopular (laughs) or kind of scary <laughs> or shakes you up about the time when everybody in my generation is starting to relax a little bit and nope, we're starting over. But the Lord is so good. And um, my friend who lives with me, we're reading through the Bible. It's her first time. And so we're going to get through the Bible in a year. And so we do most nights we'll read together. And we've done the New Testament and we're making our way through the Old Testament. And we just finished Joshua. And Joshua is pretty funny because it has a few stories and a lot of names. (sighs) A lot of names that we're reading, and you're like, I I just cracked myself up because I pictured in heaven, you know, the people with these names going, make her stop, please, (laughs) because we're just not doing well. But (laughs) uh, it struck me, and it's not the first time I've read it, but It says at the very end, so Joshua, you know, they go in, they take the land, they've apportioned all the, all of the land to the different tribes, and all these measurements are there, and and all that stuff, right, and he starts recounting, he gathers them all together, and say, look, I'm about to die, what are you going to choose, right, he rehashes the history, just like Moses did in the whole book of Deuteronomy, right, so basically, if you mess up, and you will, he tells them, (laughs) it's not because it's an accident, it's because you willfully sinned, because they went through everything. There was no, oh, I didn't know. There was, that was not going to fly, right? No excuse. And you know that the, they rehearsed the history, and it talks about Abraham, God's relationship with Abraham. God has regard for Israel, as he has regard for all of us, but his, he, they're his chosen people, not because Israel's all perfect, but because Abraham had the relationship with him. And it was his promise to Abraham that he fulfilled, Right? who had one son, and he said, your descendants are going to be like the stars of the sea or the sand on the seashore. And he was in the desert, not seashore, but that's a lot of sand, okay? And tracked all the way through his son Isaac, through Jacob, right? Through the 12 tribes. And then they go into slavery for 430 years, right? And then they cry out, and God hears them, and he delivers them through Moses just, incredibly with all these plagues and and kind of a showdown right with God and he delivers them into the desert and then when they get desperate again right and they're going what are we going to do Moses why'd you bring us out here it's better for us to be slaves because you just brought us out here to die in the desert they're just really whiny people not unlike me (laughs) but it's amazing how we we flip the switch sometimes instead of regarding oh God you're wonderful as soon as we hit a problem it's oh we just didn't even think about him, right, and what he wants. So, you know, he let him cross the sea, the, the, 
the Red Sea on dry ground, and he demolished Pharaoh's armies, and then took him into the wilderness, right? And, and they had this encounter with God, and so scary. They said, no, no, Moses, you talk to us, right? As the mountain shook, and there was lightning and thunder, and Moses went up there for like 40 days, and twice. I think one time was more than that. But, um, you know, they, they did not not know God was there. <laughs> they knew God was there. The whole time, it's don't worship the gods around you. Don't do this, right? And so he delivers them repeatedly. He gives them for 40 years. Their clothes don't wear out. For 40 years, they get quail. They just, the quail fly low because of a breeze, and they get the quail. And every morning, there's manna, the what is it stuff, <laughs> right, for 40 years. And then when they're finally going to the promised land, right, Moses didn't even make it because he sinned. He took God's glory earlier on. <clears throat> So Moses didn't even make it, and so the last person to die was Moses, right, before they could enter the promised land. So you realize that, not unlike today, you know, the younger generation, they have the energy. They have the uh, unjaded approach to life oftentimes, right? They're full of energy, not always a lot of wisdom. They just haven't lived that long yet, but full of energy. Why can't we do it now? Why can't we do it now, Right? So I imagine I've worked this out in my head of every morning they're going, maybe today's the day. Maybe today's the day. And they're all looking at Moses' tent, and then the flap comes up, and they're like, ah, maybe tomorrow. <laughs> but, you know, Moses takes them through, and at the end of Joshua, so then they go in and conquer the land. They've gotten all this, prom- this promise back to Abraham. So you're talking, I don't know how many generations, at least eight. At the end of Joshua, it says, not one good promise which the Lord had made to the house of Israel failed. It all came to pass. Wow. Wow. Have you ever seen that meme? It goes around pretty frequently where my plans, and it shows a a person with his thoughts toward, you know, God, you called me to teach. We're just going to keep it in calling. Or he called me to be a missionary or a pastor or, you know, a wonderful person I've prayed blessing for all day today of the people who clear the roads of snow. I don't know what they're called, but (laughs) you've called me to this, right? And in our minds, it's a straight line. We're just, we envision it. We can see it. We can taste it. And yet the reality is this, (laughs) right? Before we get there, just like Israel is each of our lives. And the generation that I minister to is, you know, they've got it. They're getting a degree. They know what their plans are. They really have no clue, right? And yet, as we hold on and as we take the thoughts that we have and hold it loosely before the Lord and the plans and the things that he gives us, we hold loosely, right? Because in reality, we're going to look back and say, God, I thought you failed here and you're amazing. I thought this was over and that promise was done, but you're amazing. Every good promise that he made came to fulfillment. It wasn't even in Abraham's lifetime. God's promises go beyond death. Right? Our covenants end with death because, you know, what else do we have? <laughs> but God's promises are so real. And I just really felt that for you guys to remind you that when things come up or unexplained things or somebody disappoints you or, or the politics goes bad, whatever, right? God's promises are still valid for today. But even my life, it looks different than I pictured it 29 years ago, <laughs> Right? Does anybody here, your life is exactly the same that you pictured it? Anybody at all? So we don't need to get all embroiled and upset and demanding and 
Does that make sense? <laughs> we can trust the Lord. And so often, you know, when, and I, I'm going to, that was my main text, okay? Just FYI, because we're going to hit a few. But if you look in John, I counted it eight times. Jesus, as he's starting to tell the disciples, look, I'm going to, I'm going to be killed. And it's like not computing, right? At all. And he goes through, does some other stuff, and he's like, no, no. I, you know, everything I do, I do as the Father shows me, right? My words aren't my own. I only speak what the Father shows me, and I only do what the Father, what I see the Father doing. Eight times there's reference to that progressively as he goes, and they are not getting it, right? In fact, one time I think he's talking to Philip, and Philip says, well, just, just show us the Father, and then we'll really believe. And he's like... And he literally says this, Philip, I've been with you three years. When you see me, you see the Father, <laughs> right? It didn't look the same at all. The salvation of Israel didn't look the same. They still want the military force, and I think that's where we get caught up. I'm not talking politics now, but this is what it is, and I think I have a right to demand it, and I, and, but I don't see anywhere where we demand things from the Lord or even from each other. We don't even have to defend ourselves. The Lord says sometimes... Some of you are going to be brought before judges, right, in the end times. <laughs> Why? It's so you can proclaim the gospel. It's not for your right. Does that make sense? And we've had it so nice and such blessing for so long, and we still have it, honestly. Look, we have blessing, right? To not forget, Lord, we got the blessing because we followed you, and we gave everything to you, and we proclaim who you are, and then you bless us, Right? Lord, I want my life to be given to you. We just sang about it. I'll give my life and be poor. I don't remember the words, but <laughs> y'all sang it. <laughs> um, but how do we pour ourselves out for our neighbors, for our families, for our communities, right? You get in and do it. And you come before the Lord all the time and say, Lord, I surrender. I yield right? The blessings you have, I'm going to use as a blessing. I sure appreciate them, and I'm enjoying them, but if you take them away, I'm still yours. If I get uncomfortable, I'm still yours, and I'm safe. Does that make sense? It's a change of thought, and uh, if you look through John, I encourage you to read the whole book of John, but if you're looking for these specific things, look from 8 to 15, <laughs> but uh, oh, that's John. I did want to read. Did I not mark that? Just a moment. <clears throat> but 1 Corinthians talks a lot about this in a different way. <clears throat> it says, but to those who are called, both Jew and... Uh, well, let me go back. He's talking about, for the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved... It is the power of God, right? We understand that. And then it goes on to, um, where's the wise man? Where's the scribe? Where's the debater of this age? Has, he not, has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since the wisdom of God through the world, its wisdom did not come to know God. All of our wisdom that we possess, we couldn't know God. God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For indeed, Jews ask for signs, and Greeks search for wisdom. And what does the U.S. ask for? That was a question I had. <laughs> what culturally do we ask for that we regard as wisdom? 
do you, you tracking with me? You may not have thought about it, but do you understand the question? What do Greek Jews asked for signs? That was the cultural thing that proved it to them. Greeks, philosophers, they wanted wisdom. What are the what are the foolish things that we think are wise that the US cries out for? Any thoughts? I'm sorry? Just okay, politicians that serve the way we want them to serve. <laughs> what else? What else do we cry out for? I'm sorry? Education. Yes. What else do we cry out for? I'm sorry? Our rights. There's, we justify it with wisdom. Yes. Justice. Yeah. And is God not a just God? He is absolutely a just God. But do you think maybe some of our ideas are different <laughs> from his? And so if we hold on to these things hard, we're going to be disillusioned and disappointed, right? Because it's just not always going to go according to what we think and plan, and we have scripture to prove it, <laughs> right? But what does he say? But to those who are called, both Jew and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And you can read the whole chapter. It's all good. But <laughs> it's really hot, sorry. Um, it was just something that was challenging me and that I felt just to, to bring. Like, what is the Lord speaking? Not so we can prove we're right. Not so we can rest on, hey, I was right. See, but to say, Lord, what are you doing? There's seasons when he highlights people and seasons when he covers them. It doesn't even mean that he's disappointed in them. It's just a season, right? What is the Lord doing? What is he doing in this community? So the question is not what I think he should do or want him to do, but Lord, what are you doing, right? Because he is at work, just like in Chicago on the campus. My job wasn't to come in here and say, ha, I brought Jesus, because I didn't. <laughs> I mean, I did, but not like that. You know, the Spirit of God lives in you who raised Christ from the dead. And when I go to campus, I'm like, look, I'm always looking, Lord, where are you already working? Because you're already working. You're already pursuing people more than I want them. I don't actually have to tell you the problems and how to solve it. Revolutionary. <laughs> Wow, it changes our prayer, doesn't it? We can make our request known, but oftentimes we make the request and we talk about it and we talk about what good ideas we have and then we tell God how he should solve this in case he doesn't know. <laughs> and I think he's a little bored. <laughs> right? I think he's like, I'm already working here. Why don't you figure it out? Which what? Uses words of wisdom, words of knowledge, faith, hmm, gifts of the spirit. Wow. <laughs> wow. So we can meet with somebody who, who is just going through a crisis. I met with somebody yesterday, and, and she's new, another international student, new to the country, just having some problems, and, and I just let her talk for a long time because she just really hadn't had an outlet at all. So I just let her talk, and as she's talking, I'm listening. It's a, it's a practice skill. You listen, but you also listen to the Holy Spirit at the same time. And at first it's really awkward, but you get better at it. <laughs> but you're listening. And as she, she saw it, so I said, you know, and she's a believer. So I said, you know, this is what I see the Lord doing. And, and we just prayed repentance and we prayed forgiveness. And, and it just freed up to say, what is the Lord now calling me into? Right? Um, 
playing with my friends, you know, from, from India who don't know the Lord yet. We met them, and we've just become brothers and sisters, and we eat a lot of meals together <laughs> because that's great. And we play games. One of our outreaches on campus is um, we have a, a game called Dutch Blitz. You can buy it. I played it a different variant, but I love that game. Almost all of us now have that card game <laughs> in our possession. And we just start playing in the student center. And before we play, we send our staff out to go say, you invite three tables. And we've never had a table join, but the more we've done it, the more consistent. And we've had other people that we have join. People are like, hey, you're playing game? And so as we're playing, we're playing because we play to win. <laughs> but we're playing, but we're also going, Lord, what are you speaking? As they share, and there's different philosophies, and there's all kinds. This is not a saved group, right? What's going on? So before they leave, because it's an in and out kind of thing, before they leave, can we, can we just bless you and see if the Lord does something, right? We've prayed. We've had healings. <laughs> wow. We've had just different discussions and as they grow, and they become part of the discipleship groups, and they become part of the large group, and it just kind of filters in. Not everybody stays, just like normal, right? But that's part of the traction. That's just part. One of my favorite things to do is called treasure hunting. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. I love it. And it actually revolutionized everything about what I thought evangelism was. And so I just call everything a treasure, so I don't maybe do the specifics, but we're going to go treasure hunting, which means the people outside this room, sometimes inside the room, don't know the gold that's in them, that they're made in the image of Christ, that they're made to bring glory to God, and that's not a manipulative or um, you know, egotistical thing, <laughs> which a lot of people think that, and I understand why. But they need a revelation of the Father, right? I think the Father's judgmental because we've re represented him not always really well. We want to represent him. So we go out and it's like, okay, I'm going to find a treasure. And the Lord's going to tell me. So it's practice and hearing God's voice. So we get together and, and pray about three minutes, not very long, because then you talk yourselves out of the promise, kind of like the spies going into Egypt. <laughs> but we're grasshoppers. And there's, yeah, okay. So, you know, and just Lord... Where's the location? Where is, um, what's the name? I never get a name, but name. Is there a physical problem that would identify why they need prayer? Uh, is there, what's their description? You know, like a maroon vest, you know, something like that. And we go out and we hang out. And so we've done this where um, I went out and I had, I can't remember now, this has been a while for that one, but because we just got back on campus. <laughs> Um, knee problem on crutches. I didn't know if it was broken or just sprained, but anyway, crutches with a knee problem. And um, yellow was one of mine, and so I went to campus. And I mean, I had a list. That's the only ones I can remember. And it was in the middle of winter, and I was brand new to Chicago. And I didn't know people here dress really dark. <laughs> Nobody wears yellow. <laughs> I sat in that place looking for yellow, and I was like, Lord, did I miss you? I don't know if I did. I'm waiting for yellow. And, you know, it's like kind of tan walk by. I'm like, maybe that's the one. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> and so finally, I mean, I waited for probably 30 minutes, and this girl in a yellow jumpsuit walked by. I'm like, that's my girl. So went up to her and I said, excuse me. And I said, I, I've been talking to, the, to God and praying, and, and I think you're the one I'm supposed to pray for because he told me to look for somebody in yellow. And I said, and I asked her, because it wasn't, her eyes were about this big that I stopped and asked. 
And I said, can I just pray for you and bless you? I said, is there anything you need? And she didn't say it, but in the prayer, I just kind of had felt depression. So I said, Lord, I thank you for this, you know, yellow jumpsuit, and she shines just brightness and cheerfulness. And if there's anything in her heart that is sad, Lord, would you touch it? And she just started crying. (laughs) And so I hadn't told anybody that she had gone through things. Treasure hunting is fun, right? The other girl, I finally kind of gave up. I didn't know where the the girl with the knee, and I sat down. I was reading a book outside because it was sunny, and, and I heard this click, 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 and I finally looked up, and girl on crutches came and sat on my bench. I'm like, Lord, you're bringing her to me now. <laughs> and uh, she went from like a eight pain to a two, which, hey, I'll take it, right? But what do we do? How do we step out and risk for God? How do we step out and say, Lord, I want to be, follow you and what you say, not my own expectations, where I can stay safe, but where I can risk because not one of your promises will ever fail. Not one. Does that make sense? Okay. That was, that was it. <laughs> so let me pray. Father, I thank you, God, for this congregation in Elburn and uh, outlying areas. And, Father, I pray, God, that as you are at work here already, you're at work in family members' lives here, you're at work in individuals' lives here, You're at work in the gas station worker down the street. You're at work in the grocery store person. You're at work in the schools. God, not one person here you don't know about and you're not aware of and that you're not pursuing. And so, Father, I pray that you'd stir our hearts, Lord, to look at you and come back to you say, Lord, it's not my will. It's not even my great ideas because you're not only not that impressed. (laughs) Lord, I want your ideas on how to touch this community and represent you and live in a way that's fulfilling, God. We trust you for provision. We trust you, Lord. And, uh, Lord, I just pray blessing over this church. God, that as you move in this community, as you reveal yourself, God, open our hearts to see and our eyes, our eyes to see, our ears to hear, and our hearts to understand. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes. Am I on? Yeah. I have a question. And, and that is, um, I have a friend who does Campus Crusade for Christ at Northern Illinois University. Mm-hmm. And some of the struggles that they have trying to minister to the, to the students there. What are some of the challenges that you face with, you have what, four campuses you were talking about? Mm-hmm. That how, how is that working for you guys? What are some of your frustrations mm-hmm. uh, that you have at this point? I can speak mostly for UIC campus. Every campus is different, just like every community, every church. There's, they're all very different. So I'll, I'll speak to the UIC. UIC is the largest campus in Chicago, and it's the most diverse, which I love. And um, I know there are Christians there, <laughs> but we've got a team of 10 on that campus. And we spent all last semester, we couldn't find hardly any Christians because we want to do small groups. It's really hard not impossible, because the Lord doesn't make it impossible. <laughs> but it is more difficult to start something without student involvement first. So that's where we kind of are after coming back of 18 months shut down, right? So we, we just went out, and, and the idea is we've got to get a small group. So we do. They're very small. Um, and the Christians that we've met really were not interested in engaging. You know, I think they were there. They're free for the first time. I understand the process, right? 
they're there, I want to try my own thing, I want to conclude it, and we usually get calls by sophomore, junior year, parents crying, youth pastors crying, or they crying, going, what's wrong, you know? It's like, this would have been easier. <laughs> they're adults. And so we have a lot of involvement with non-Christians. Our small groups consist of Hindus, Muslims, transgender, <laughs> you know, a lot of the issues that we hear about today. And so what are we doing? We're going to love they're engaging to a degree, different degrees, right, in different small groups, to degrees with the Lord. So what are we going to do? We're going to pray for them. We're going to bless them. We're going to say, hey, look, let's read this in the scripture because, boy, the, the word of God is so powerful, so powerful. Usually they have a question, well, what about this? And I'm like, well, keep reading because it's right there. <laughs> um, engaging in that. And for the Christians, because we do, the woman who lives with me is a new believer. And so I, my job is to get her in the presence of God as much as possible through worship, through prayer. I love the worship today, by the way, connecting to the heart of the Father. Um, and then we're reading scripture and doing a few other things. I'm taking her through kind of a, um, I guess if you want to call it spiritual warfare, just to be aware of how the enemy works and what it looks like and that you have authority. So stand up, right? Because at first, and I, the woman I talked to yesterday, different woman, was like, I'm terrified, terrified of spirits. And I'm like, well, that probably explains some things because Holy Spirit's probably scary to her. <laughs> but it's something from her childhood she doesn't even know where. I said, well, we see the fruit of fear. We don't know where the root is, but that's where we track it. And so by faith, we just confess, Lord, I've believed lies, right, about spirits. They're, they're not even equal with you. Every spirit has to bow to the name of Jesus. <laughs> and, you know, so what do we do? Lord, I don't want this fear. I don't want to live with this fear. And so she just left with peace. Praise God. We're onions. It's going to resurface as it does. But so that's what we do with Christians, right? We take them through. We want to live. We want to challenge because they're young adults now. They're not, this is part of the growing up process is they want everything done for them. I'm like, hmm, you're an adult. So this is how it's going to work. <laughs> and are you up for the challenge? And usually they are. Um, but there's a lot of distractions, which are not necessarily bad. They come. We all have them. But it's the learning to live with it. And I think COVID, the, the lockdown, really had an effect. This generation, socially, it's been um, an issue. There's a lot of loneliness. You hear this on the news. This is no new information. Lots of loneliness, but not knowing how to engage or being willing to engage or put yourself out. It's really a lot of fear, a lot of fear. And so that's what we run into at UIC. But um, God's promise is what? The kingdom, the gates of hell will not prevail. He builds his church. So that confident, where we go. Any other questions? Yes. It's international. Mostly it's kind of, we're trying to do Chi Alpha, the name. Um, so I, it's all over Asia. They may call it a different name depending on what language is spoken. Um, you know, I know back in the day, Christ, uh, Christians in Action, it was all over Europe. But it's a little problematic because CIA. <laughs> so I'm not sure what they're called, but there is a whole network um, it's coming up in Africa. There's a few countries in Africa 
but it is in Asia. Many places it's in Europe. Many places it's in Latin America. Many places. And so, yeah, great question. Both. Thank you. Anybody else? You know any college students or students going? Oh, yes, Becky. Rebecca Ann, that's my name. We did. We had, we figured it out pretty quickly. I'm not technical, but the team is very technical and very gifted. <laughs> and so, yeah, we did meet weekly. Of course, it was like everywhere else, numbers went down. Because our students, most of them don't stay, or many of them. They can go home to their communities. So, um, but we did Zoom uh, worship nights. We did, uh, we have prayer every morning at 7 on Zoom still. And, um, we even did baptisms. We baptized five during the lockdown. And so we had a blow-up pool, and we went to usually our director's home, but not always, and baptized it. And if we couldn't gather, then we would show video. And so we baptized five. And we had different gatherings. There's all kind of games you could play. So I'm just glad I'm not in charge of that one. <laughs> yes, sir. We can. We have... Uh, a weekly outreach table that has different themes every week, and one of those themes is Bibles. And the first time I did it, I just thought, this may not fly, because, <laughs> you know, Illinois, the north, I don't know, Chicago. Um, it actually was really popular. I put out my little flags that I have on the table, and I have Bibles in every language, and I have a whole bunch in English, and I just put them out. And uh, People, it really surprised me how open. I did not expect it, but they were very open. So you can't do it all the time because you, it gets old. You know, people just walk by, oh, that's that. So you try to have something new every time. And so hopefully we, our school, UIC, has been closed or virtual only for the last two weeks. So this week we're starting in person. So that will be nailed down this week. I know they're already working on it. This Friday will be our first in-person Worship, we call it thermostat. It's a lot of the pictures you saw. And um, so, yeah, we'll see where it goes. <laughs> anybody else? Do you know of anybody about to go to college in the next two years? No? Yes. It's really been interesting to me. I'm obviously from a different generation, and I got saved in high school, and I, I'm a reader. I read the whole Bible in three months, and I've read it many, 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 many times through, and it does surprise me, not entirely, but still surprised me a little bit, the amount of people we have who've been raised in a Christian home who've never read the whole Bible. And I would encourage you guys, read the whole Bible, <laughs> even all those names. <laughs> But there's purpose for every word. Even if we don't understand it, we think it's boring, we know it's not God's problem, it's ours. <laughs> and so you, you recalibrate <laughs> back to the Lord. That's great. That's great for your granddaughter. This generation is hungry. They are not um, brand loyal. Like, I'm assemblies. I'm, you know, Presbyterian. 
but they know the presence of the Lord when it shows up. And I tell you what, when the presence of the Lord shows up and the reality of people, they will come. And they immediately get what you think of. They're hard or they're really distant, but they will come in and they will pour out. They are waiting. <laughs> they're waiting for a touch of the presence. They're waiting for a revelation of the Father. And uh, that's the hope that we have. Man, they are, it's not hard. They are delightful. They are extremely bright. We don't always agree. But who's ever agreed with the different generations or even within the generations? That's not new. <laughs> so God is good. He is at work all over. It's, it's my one job is to figure out where he's working and join in. <laughs> so, yes. Um, we have had some who were not, well, two years ago or three now, I can't remember, there was a murder on campus, and we didn't know her directly, but she was known by many, and so we had to walk that. Um, the shootings, I think probably there have been some who brought forth, like, prayer requests, and we just support through that. I think probably even in our morning prayer, you just know more is happening than they're saying, but sometimes they're not free to say it because I don't know if they share a room. Sometimes it's hard to say, you know, I just know a lot of things are more probably happening in personal lives than we're aware of. And um, so you just pray blessing and give opportunity and minister <clears throat> when they bring it up. One of the big things that pretty much affects people unilaterally in Chicago is all these um, court cases that are in the news now and and happening because of of often unrighteous murder of a black person by a white person that affects that is something that um, it's a cultural thing it's not wrong it's something that needed to become to come out and to be exposed um, but I think I'm not even, I'm afraid if I'm not seeing anything, it's hard to see. But culturally, how I grew up and the stories that I heard are often different than the stories my friends hear, who are African-American in particular, right? And so what's revelationary sometimes to, to me and my friends and family that are in the news now has been around for generations. It's not new. So then what do you do? People get all defensive and... And I'm like, Lord, it's not. If there's wrong, you need to show us. It's just walking with a spirit of humility. Because people will talk to you if you're genuine and humble before the Lord, even if they need to rant a little bit, right? This is stuff stored up for a while that they've seen that I've been blind to, right? It doesn't make it not right. <laughs> doesn't make it not applicable. But it's something, and so when we have court cases that come out or something, that spreads through because it's something families are talking about. It's stuff that's been on the burner for a long time. And I just think it's the grace of the Lord. We've had ministry times, and, and we have staff who are, our staff is incredible. And so they'll be, uh, the Lord's speaking to me about this, and they may be African American, and, and so they will lead the way. And I'm telling you, that was a big deal, and it's happened twice. So those kind of things have more of a group impact, immediate group impact. But I, I do suspect that things are happening in the background. And, you know, I laugh. I said, well, you know, carjackings are up. And 
I had a car, the transmission went out, I was without a car for two months in the end of the year, and I bought one in Texas, so it's out there with the Texas plate, <laughs> the, the little paper on it, and the Lord just blessed, blessed me, it's in my price range, and it was there, and I always laugh, I said, you know, I had a car that nobody wanted to hijack, <laughs> so I'm formulating a plan, <laughs> I said, just no, it's not about the car, but they need to know their actions going to send them to hell. <laughs> so just know if something happens. It's not about the car, but it's an opportunity. We'll see it happen. I hope it never happened, but, um, you know, it's a concern. It's you walk around, you feel it, and uh, I've just, I've gone everywhere else. I drove in the snow for two hours today. No point in living in fear. You trust the Lord. I think I have two big angels around me, and we're good. Yeah. One, one other question for you, yes. um, and that is, you're talking about, it's such a diverse area, Chicago, multicultural, whatever, and how many of the students, you say they're open to, um, which have to say, how many of the non-Christian students have you found that really will pursue the faith once you open that door to them about Christ? What kind of a conversion rate are you getting at this point? This last semester we baptized five. I think most of them were new believers. This semester, or last, okay, that was last year during COVID. Last semester we baptized three. We had four salvations. And so it's a long process. You know, people don't just convert. It's usually a process. We may step in at that time. But most of it, if you're walking through, there's in and outs, right? You, you come close, then you get scared. Then you come close, then you get scared. Then somebody has a word, maybe, but don't say it's a word, if, depending on where they're at with the Lord. <laughs> but it just meets it, so you get close again. And, and every time they get close, it's an opportunity for the Lord to heal. It's just another layer, right? So some people, like my friend from India, he's very Hindu. His parents are very Hindu, but he's been exposed before he came to us. But we've walked with him for the last two years. And praise God. <laughs> so sometimes it takes a long time, and sometimes it's just right picking. Those are rare. We celebrate those, but usually it's the longer road because there's a lot of healing that has to take place. Yeah, thank you. Yes. Okay. Well, I tell him. The biggest need that I have is more of the Lord. <laughs> I want to be able to hear more clearly. I want to be able to um, discern all the gifts of the Spirit. I just want more of Him. That's my number one Amen. request. Number two is um, probably wisdom to help guide the team and students. So there's multiple generations. There's things that I'd like to see put in place that were not there yet. and Just knowing the times that the Lord has. And three is I'm raising my support, and I have 10% left to go. So that would be a great monkey off my back. <laughs> oh, immediate need? My old car is still in my possession, and I need to sell it. And I may make an appointment today. I've got it on Facebook Marketplace and Craigslist, and so really pray it sells. Just I want it gone. So. Very good. We're going to follow up with Sue. We're going to, those of you that want to, uh, as our custom with our missionaries that come in, uh, we want to pray for you, and we'll lay hands on you and pray for you. For those of you that want to come forward and, and pray, and pray over Becky, please come forward. Those of you who feel more comfortable.